Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. The Raiders look to make it four in a row as they host the first place Kansas City Chiefs in an AFC West showdown. It's a rematch from week five when the Raiders went into the Chiefs' own backyard and handed the defending champs their only loss of the season, 40-32. to now, you can make the case this is the biggest game these bitter rivals have played since 2016 when they tied for the division title. The Chiefs won the division, and the Raiders were a wild card team. Now, with a win, the Raiders can move to within a game of the Chiefs, but they would own the tiebreaker, having beaten them twice. A Kansas City victory? Well, that would all but assure the Chiefs the AFC West crown. KC would have a three-game lead with just six games left in the regular season. The Raiders have won their first three division games for the first time since 2010. That year, they ran the table going 6-0 and finished 8-8. The Raiders are currently seven-point underdogs, and the over-under is 56.5. Now, in the first matchup, they combined for 72 points. And for this season, the Raiders are averaging right around 28 points a game. And the Chiefs just over 30. So if you do the math, then it would seem like this one is likely to go over. There's also plenty of other games to play some action on as well this weekend. And if you want the best site for everything, and I mean everything, then head to betonline.ag. It has all the latest from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And then there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, you know, Raider Nation, following the Broncos game, I was fired up, and I know you guys were as well. I mean, three wins in a row, undefeated in the division, and a huge game coming up against the Chiefs. I mean, big matchup with division implications. It's a primetime game on Sunday night. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth calling the action. And then on Monday, Chiefs coach Andy Reid seemed irritated with the Raiders because the Silver and Black took a bus ride around Arrowhead Stadium following the win there last month. Andy Reid told the media the Raiders won the game so they can do whatever they want, but that's not our style. All right, game on. The rivalry appears to be back after Andy's statement. 
But then on Tuesday, defensive back LaMarcus Joyner and defensive lineman Cleveland Farrell were placed on the COVID-19 list. And then on Wednesday, it got worse. Seven more defensive players were added to the reserve COVID-19 list. Safety Jonathan Abram. Defensive tackles Malik Collins, Jonathan Hankins, and Kendall Vickers. Defensive ends Arden Key and David Irving and cornerback Isaiah Johnson. Now on Wednesday, the NFL Network reported those players were deemed to be high-risk closed contacts of Farrell. Nobody practiced either Wednesday or Thursday. And remember, Corey Littleton and Trent Brown are already on the list. So that makes 11 players on the reserve COVID-19 list. And with 10 of those players being on the defensive side of the ball and unable to practice, oh, I don't think that bodes very well going up against one of the top offenses in the league and arguably the best quarterback in the league. But hopefully, hopefully, the Raiders get eight of them back in time for the game. Corey Littleton's status for the game is up in the air. And Farrell, he won't play. Here's Raiders defensive coordinator Paul Gunther on the team's defensive dilemma. I don't know, uh, you know how we can beat these guys with a full lineup of practice, let alone three-quarters of your lineup not here all week. You know, what don't they have? We're playing the world champs. What don't they have? they got great quarterback, great receivers, great tight ends, lines physical, and they're coming off a bye. So it's a daunting task. You know, I know one thing that uh, we're going to show up at 520. We're going to 100% because that's what we do. So we'll get these guys ready to play. Whoever's out there at 520, they'll be ready to go. It's not all bad news. Starting left tackle Colton Miller returned to practice on Wednesday. He's missed the last two games. And Maurice Hurst, he was also back at practice as well. That's a very good sign because we don't know who's going to be available for the Raiders defensively. Now, the Silver and Black, they're looking to sweep the Chiefs for the first time since 2012. That was the year before Andy Reid got to Kansas City. And since his arrival, well, the Raiders haven't had much success. And the numbers aren't very pretty. Silver and Black had lost 12 of 15 overall before their win in October. Win also snapped a five-game losing streak, which included four by double digits. But things were much, much different in that first meeting, Raider Nation. Raiders put up huge numbers on offense. I mean, you can make the case it was their best all-around performance. Quarterback Derek Carr threw for nearly 350 yards and three touchdowns. He also completed four passes of more than 40 yards. And the Raiders' running game? It racked up nearly 150 yards, and Josh Jacobs scored a pair of touchdowns. On defense, the Raiders consistently pressured Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact they seldom sent an extra rusher. They often used a spy on Mahomes, and it worked, and it worked well. Mahomes completed just over 50% of his passes, he was sacked three times, pressured constantly, and threw one interception. The Raiders never let Mahomes get comfortable in the pocket. All right, Raider Nation, for more on the game, let's welcome in L.A. Times and Hall of Fame NFL writer Sam Farmer. Sam, thanks so much for joining me today. Greatly appreciate it. It's an honor to have you on the show. Well, thanks very much for having me, Dennis. It's fun. 
So I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you actually covered the Raiders for the San Jose Mercury News when they returned to Oakland from Los Angeles. What was that like? Yeah, well, it was pretty wild. You know, I was coming off the Seattle Supersonics beat. I had been in Seattle for five years. And, and so this was really my first NFL beat um, 90, starting in 95. And so the Raiders were a weird team to cover. I mean, there was a lot of strange, and, the, and that really hasn't changed, but there was a lot of strange stuff that went on. I remember um, we had a conference call with, with uh, uh, Jeff Hosteller. Hosteller had a, I want to say it was a shoulder injury or something in 95, and they arranged a conference call, but they said, uh, no questions, no questions. Nobody can ask any questions. And um, Al Locusau was on the call and he was sort of handling it. And we figured out later that it was probably just Jeff on tape and you couldn't ask a question because it would be obvious that that he wasn't live, and, but it was so Raiders and uh, uh, no questions. And somebody said, well, Al, um, how long is it gonna be? He said, that's a question. <laughs> so, oh my God. so he was really shutting everybody down. So that was just sort of the weirdness um, of how bizarre it was. And, and uh, that was Mike White. And then that was for a couple more seasons and, and uh, into the end of 96. and just funny stories about being out in that trailer, that media trailer, and just um, some of the sort of disorganized haphazard nature of it. And then Joe Bugle came in and John, that was oh, the I mean, you had Chester McLaughlin running through drills on a full length coat, refusing to take off his coat. You had players, we'd meet players out in the parking lot after uh, practice and they just sort of, disgorge all this information uh, about the Raiders. And it was, uh, you know, it, it was the inmates running the asylum a little bit uh, with those teams, but, uh, and that team went four and 12, but just like any really bad team, they won some games they shouldn't have won and they lost a lot of games they should have won. Uh, but they had one game, uh, I want to say the Broncos were undefeated maybe. And, uh, uh, and Napoleon Kaufman might have gone for 250 or something like that. It was yeah, crazy. with 1997. I think you're right. Yeah. I was at that game. Yeah. And I remember the first game, um, maybe it was the first game of the season was a Monday night game against the Chiefs, and Andre Verizon sort of cut their heart out at the Coliseum. Uh, it was like Elvis Gerback to Andre Verizon. Right. And after the game, um, Joe Bugle locked the locker room and we were all on tight deadline. We went down there and, and the locker room doors were locked and we couldn't get in there. And then he opened the back door and let everybody out the back. <laughs> so all the players were gone when they opened the door, but Tim Brown came out and uh, I think they shoved Tim Brown out there and they shoved Albert Lewis out there to talk to us who were sort of the two uh, elder statesmen in the, two real stud guys who were who were really stand-up uh guys so they talked to him but it was real tense uh the next day uh when we saw joe bugle because we were just infuriated everybody was how could you let these guys go out the back but that side that season sort of went sideways very quickly and so when john gruden came in um even though 
he might have gone eight and eight his, his first season. It wasn't, uh, but there was a different kind of vibe and a different feel. And then certainly when Rich Gannon came in, uh, you know, they, they, he straightened things out pretty quickly and, and they got on the right track. So uh, that was a huge, huge sea change for that team. Yeah. Did you ever have any interaction with uh, the late great Al Davis? Lots of interactions with Al. Uh, you know, I'm I, many, many times and, and uh, you know, Al was always very charming with my wife and, you know, very friendly to, to her and, and he and I ran very hot and cold. Um, you know, I remember being at an owner's meeting in Coral Gables one time and uh, I saw Al in the lobby and, and uh, I asked to talk to him and he said, come up to my suite. So I came up to his suite and he had a, he had a bench set up with like 225 on it or something. And he's in his early seventies at the time and pretty skinny. I mean, I don't think he was, but it was pretty loaded up, you know, for my liking. And I mean, he uh, had a workout bench in his suite and he was, Oh yeah. He brought weights on the road, everything. But, uh, and I said, Al, I see you got your weights. He said, yeah, it's hard to stay cut at my age. <laughs> so pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Stay cut, not get cut. Stay <laughs> cut. Uh, yeah. But he, he was, uh, no, Al was, uh, you know, just a brilliant mind. I mean, in terms of football, he sat behind me on the road a lot of times and in the press box and I'd hear those rings just slam against the table. And, and he, he'd call, especially defensively. He knew that a safety was two yards deep in that formation. He was, he was vulnerable. And then all of a sudden they throw a pass underneath and that safety be out of position. So he, uh, he was, you know, had had sort of a uh, the beautiful mind in terms of uh, being able to spot something. And a lot of times he'd ask you, he'd say, did you see that? And if you said what, he'd kind of shake, look at you side, you know, side eye, look at you and then just kind of walk away. Like, <laughs> if you didn't see it, you don't belong in the club. Right. Um, so, uh, but you know, super, super smart guy and, and had you on your toes. Uh, and it could be very funny too. Um, but always, always kept you off balance. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Sunday's game. And I think everybody who thought this was going to be a wonderful matchup. And now there's kind of some uncertainty around it because several of the Raiders dealing with the COVID-19, um, you know, the last time the Raiders dealt with this, they were supposed to play the Buccaneers on Sunday night football. And instead of giving the Raiders an extra day to try to figure things out, they actually took them off Sunday night, but moved the game up four hours, Sam. So what do we know about this Sunday's game? Is it still everything's a go for Sunday night between the Raiders and the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think everything's on track there. I think they've got 10 defensive players on, on the COVID list, but, uh, but eight of those guys are on the, you know, the close contact list. Uh, only two guys, uh, Farrell and, and uh, a Corey Littleton attested positive. So uh, I think they're going to get each of those eight guys back either uh, Saturday or Sunday. And, and the league's going to look at it and say, listen, 
you know, can you field 47 guys? Uh, and if you can, then that's a pretty simple equation. Uh, they're not going to move the game. I think a lot of maybe Raider fans would like them to move the game, move it to Monday night or something like that. I just don't see that happening. And particularly because the Raiders haven't, um, the league's had to crack down on them a couple of times. And so the league's not going to be uh, really amenable to bending its schedule around, around the Raiders, particularly if they can field a team. Right. The Raiders are six and three, Sam. I don't think a lot of people would have predicted that before the season began. You know, when you think of iconic franchises, you think of the Steelers, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Raiders used to be one, but is it good for the league when the Raiders are playing well and in contention for a playoff spot? I think it is um, for a lot of reasons. It's one of the most polarizing franchises, maybe the most polarizing franchise still that people love them or hate them. And to have those teams relevant um, is is a big deal. You know, you want to have the Cowboys uh, count, for instance. You want to have the Raiders mean something um, because those are sort of the uh, iconic signature franchises uh, of the league. So, and then there are good stories too. You know, you look at, you know, Derek Carr and just sort of how he felt disrespected coming into the season. And now he's in the MVP conversation. And this is a team that you know, six and three, but uh, had a really tough schedule uh, to this point and have they have an easier schedule here on out. And you also want to make create a foothold in Las Vegas, too. And you're going to be having a lot of things coming up in Las Vegas once the world tilts back on its axis. And so, um, you know, you don't want to have an irrelevant team there. And so I think it is good for the league. You mentioned Derek Carr. He threw for almost 350 yards the first time these two met. The Raiders also rushed the ball really well. So, Sam, do you have to be balanced to beat Kansas City, or can you be one-dimensional, or is it just simple, you know what, Kansas City's going to score a lot of points. We just try to have to try to outscore them however we can. Yeah, I think this will put that to the test. Uh, I think ideally you want to be balanced. If you look at the Raiders, you know, they've got um, – They've got some injured offensive linemen and Trent Brown and Corey, uh, uh, you know, Richie Incognito and Colton Miller. You know, you look the last two, three games, those guys haven't been around and the replacements are better run blockers. So I think that you're going to, and that sort of dovetails with what the Raiders want to do anyway, keep Mahomes off the field, run the ball, eat the clock. And, and the chiefs are not great at stopping the run. And so that's a vulnerability of that defense. And so uh, would you like to be balanced? Sure. You'd like to be able to throw the ball and, and run it as well. But um, in this case, I think you'd, if you had to pick one over the other, I'd want to be able to run the ball against the chiefs. So, uh, but you're right. I think it'll, it will put it to the test because they can score a lot of points. Sam, is this year's chiefs, better than last year's Super Bowl team, in your opinion? Uh, remains to be seen. I mean, I think offensively, you look at it and you say, um, they, uh, you know, Edward Solaire, uh, they've got a running back. Uh, now, sort of the rich get richer with Le'Veon Bell, and you like that. But then I mentioned the, the stopping the run. I mean, this is a team that gave up 40 the last time they played the Raiders. So, um it's hard to make the argument that that's 
uh, an elite defense or, um, you know, in last year's, I covered that whole Chiefs run, uh, stayed with them from the start to the end of the playoffs and through the Super Bowl. And, you know, they fell behind every time. And so they had some great comebacks um, and had that mojo. But, you know, I think if you were to ask it at halftime or after the first quarter of the, of the, you know, Houston game or the Tennessee game, you might say, um, this isn't a juggernaut. Look, look at the scoreboard. And then they came back and won. So that was a really good team. And I think this has the potential to be a really, really good team. But uh, again, it, it's, it's got an Achilles heel. When they played the first time, the Raiders defense, they didn't blitz a lot, but they were able to pressure Mahomes. They got three sacks. I know they still gave up 32 points, but they also spied him. And Mahomes, I think, completed just, just over 50% of his passes. I mean, the Chiefs don't lose very often, obviously, Sam. So is that kind of the recipe to at least try to slow their offense down? Yeah, well, I mean, that worked. They worked. They used uh, three linebackers who uh, sort of in rotation spying Mahomes. I think they had their best pass rushing game, the Raiders, and that's really been uh, up and down, off and on for them all season. And and so, um, but they got in his face. And like you said, they, they not only sacked him three times, they hit him a lot. They hurried him. Uh, they were up in his face. And you got to do that. I think he ran for you know, maybe 20 yards or something it was in, inconsequential. Uh, and so spying him, I think, really helped. I think Andy Reid with retrospect and, and time and looking at that tape and everything, he's going to throw something different at you and they're going to mix it up. So you can't do exactly the same thing. But I think a spy, uh, he certainly warrants um, a spy uh, with what he can do offensively. Uh, and I'd be surprised if the Raiders didn't do some of that. Sam, I was looking at Mahomes' stats. I mean, 25 touchdowns, just one interception. That's it for the year. But when you hear all this MVP talk, I'm hearing about Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I mean, isn't Patrick Mahomes the MVP right now? Yeah, I mean, you also got to look at Ben Roethlisberger and what he did and and in terms of uh, comeback player of the year and, and they're the only undefeated team in the league. Um uh, and I mean, Derek Carr has had a great, great season too. It's, um, but I think that we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. So I, there's always a rush to, you know, what's the, if the playoffs started today, well, they're not going to start today. We got a whole ha second half of the season. Right. And so I kind of look at that with the MVP too, that we're going to see a lot of jostling early in the, and you mentioned Russell Wilson, who's never had an MVP vote. Um, and yet looks so good for so long. He slipped off, you know, kind of fallen off the last few weeks. Um, uh, so I think by the end of the season, Mahomes is going to have to be in the MVP conversation. Uh, and, and I think that's likely to happen, but, um, but I just think it's really early and now it's kind of just, fun, you know, bar talk, if you will, sure. like who, but I, but I think when the rubber meets the road, Mahomes is going to be right up there. Right. Are you surprised how well Derek, uh, Derek Carr has played this season? Yeah, I am. I mean, he's really good. And, and uh, I thought he was uh, on a downward trajectory. Uh, and particularly, it felt like the Raiders were moving away from him. And there was a lot of talk of, you know, what are their 
their options and even looking at Brady and uh, all the potential uh, non-Derek Carr solutions. And he's really stepped up and had a really good season. So uh, he'll have to continue it. But again, like I said, they played some tough teams and, and had a tough go of it. And they, I was really impressed at that Cleveland game. And um, now you look and they've got one of the easier schedules in the league. So it'll be uh, really interesting to see if he can keep, his, keep the pedal to the metal. Last question for you, Sam. I'll get you out of here on this one. You wrote a wonderful article on former Raiders coach Tom Flores. He is a uh, Hall of Fame uh, finalist. I mean, <laughs> Raider Nation was waiting a long time for him to get in. I is this the year we're finally going to see him uh, selected as a Hall of Famer? I sure hope so. Uh, Tom's a great guy and, in fact, called me this morning um, just to say hello. Uh, I think he's a little... A little bored out in the desert. Uh, this is a pretty confining uh, situation, but you know, coming in, coaches committee recommending him. I think it's it's long, long overdue. If you look at his body of work, uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, and say what you will about his time in Seattle, and if maybe if that took some of the luster off, I don't know. Uh, but you know, you look at the number of firsts that that guy has had. On top of being a Hall of Fame human being, uh, just a great, um, great person. Former players loved him. Um, and, you know, he's got a great story, too. Just coming up from Central California, um, Sanger and, and, you know, wanted to be a teacher and a junior high teacher and then selling fireworks and doing that kind of stuff. And then. Uh, and he played quarterback. He was, you know, he was, I think there were 11, 11 quarterbacks on that first Raiders team at camp. And he worked his way up uh, from nothing and wound up, yeah, he's got four Super Bowl rings. Um, uh, it was on that, on that uh, Chiefs team. Right. He's so, a backup quarterback to Lenny Dawson. Yeah. yeah. So it's, he's, he checks every box in my book. And, and it's kind of silly that he's not a Hall of Famer yet, but, I think they correct that this year. Let's hope so. Sam, great stuff. Really appreciate you joining me. Don't forget Raider Nation. You can read all of Sam's great work at the latimes.com and follow him on Twitter at LA Times Farmer. Thanks so much, Dennis. That was great. Really enjoyed it. Now, here's a remarkable stat, Raider Nation. And I had to read this twice. The Chiefs have won 17 of their last 19 road games in the division. I mean, that is unbelievable. I can understand if that was their record at home against the division, but they've lost just twice on the road in their last 19 division games. Very, very impressive. By the way, those only two losses were to the Raiders. 2014, the Silver and Black earned their first win of the year, and you remember that? The win featured the Khalil Mack Seal Moore dance. Three years later, on an untimed down, it was Derek Carr's touchdown pass to Michael Crabtree to knock off the Chiefs. The rivalry is renewed Sunday night, 5.20 p.m. kickoff on your local NBC affiliate. I'll have a full recap the following Monday. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast. On the Believe Podcast Network, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.